I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, who are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water and now biodegradable. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood. The insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum, from that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. Made here in Ireland, water wipes are now 100% biodegradable and compostable wipes. With the same purity and quality as before, they are ideal for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products, and this podcast. Last week, we talked about how in pregnancy, birth and motherhood, we never know what to expect, especially for every mom in 2020 and 2021. In this episode, we talked to Vanessa Craven, who pre-pandemic was living a fast-paced international business building life with the success of Spotlight, the oral care brand she started with her sister, Lisa. Motherhood was always on the agenda, but it didn't seem possible right now. Until, of course, like all of us, she was grounded. But that wasn't the last of the twists and turns of pregnancy, including a COVID-positive test result at 36 weeks pregnant. What could have been an incredibly stressful event thought Vanessa so much about motherhood and how her body needed her to be kind to it, how her mind needed to stay in touch with her business, and how her baby would be the saving grace of an insane but incredible year. We talk birth, business, and the transformation we make as women. I hope you enjoy. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me today on Everyone the Podcast. I have finally pressed record because I think at this point <laughs> we could have had several episodes uh, before the actual episode. So uh, we might need to do some sort of live shows at some point because that they were they were some interesting chats. Um, but I'm I'm really you were somebody who I was dying to talk to because to be honest, you've been I'm I'm fangirling, but your your drive your ambition the successful business that you've built with your sister um and obviously the family links that that has and also now as a new mother you're just you're somebody who i'd certainly receive inspiration from and and i know so many women do too so i'm just i'm like tell me everything so that i can take it on board and and learn from you how are you doing though Thank you so much. Well, firstly, Sinead, thank you so much for having me. You know, I was saying to you earlier, um, and I can I can happily say this, when I was pregnant, I used to religiously listen to this podcast every Saturday morning. And I was saying to you, I don't know if it's because I was a, like, I don't know, we probably termed this now in years to come, a COVID pregnancy, or was it just because I craved that like community of pregnant women and like hearing the journey that everyone went through? I just found it so interesting, you know, like, was I alone and experiencing all these things or, you know, the conversations that you had with so many different women and so many different paths? 
um, I was just like, I'm fascinated. Like, so I'm delighted to be asked to be, come on. I am such a huge fan of the podcast and everything it stands for. It's, it's, it's been so needed this year, hasn't it? I really think so. I think that like, you know, so my pregnancy was my first pregnancy so I have a beautiful baby girl Grace and I got pregnant during the pandemic and you know it's very difficult to compare to anything because it's your first pregnancy you don't know what to expect but also you don't know what other pregnancies would have been like in a non-isolated world so I really did feel like kind of podcasts really helped me. I think social media actually really helped me as well in terms of hearing about other journeys and what other people are experiencing and how other people are navigating and and what kind of their ups and downs really kind of helped me, okay, kind of bring it back and not feel so alone in it all, you know? I think it's a real moment in your life where you you transition and you're expecting you need other women who are going through it or have just gone through it to kind of to flood into your life because otherwise it can just feel so isolated and you're like well I'm changing at a rate of knots and yes it's the information piece but it's also people accepting the new you the mother you Yeah, totally. Like, I think that it is the biggest transition you're ever going to go through as a woman. Um, I think that, you know, pre-pregnancy and post-pregnancy. And I think that the moment that you see a a faint blue line, you do feel yourself like as a mum. You know, you're a mum to that teeny tiny embryo that's growing, that you're like growing bump, you're feeling nauseous, you're, I don't know about you, I was so anxious and I'm not a normally anxious person, but I was so anxious, I was so frightened because I, all of a sudden something I, you know, I could really potentially lose and could absolutely Mm. devastate me. Um, So I think motherhood and all of those like iterations it's such a fragile time and then you also have the kind of and it's funny because I I spoke to you about this before I had a level of apprehension about pregnancy and motherhood and like maybe no one else of this or maybe I'm not alone in this but sometimes I would see on social media or wherever it'd be like or even friends you know chatting to me and they would say oh sleep now sleep now because you won't sleep later or enjoy your free time or you won't know what hits you and then I was like oh my god what is coming you know it's that unknown and what I love to say and when people ask me now is it's like it's the best thing that's ever happened you know what I mean it's like it is a new beginning it is a new transition into your life you're now like have your best friend i like you know so sometimes i think that the unknowing is very frightening mm. but actually if i had known what i was about to get like oh i would have just been you know over the moon like you know i think it's a hard one though because i think if people only talk about the good, you isolate those that are in experiences that are negative and that if you portray that it's going to be this rosy magic perfection and there's not going to be any challenges with breastfeeding and you're going to, you know, to, to sail through fields of poppies and daisies with your newborn dressed up in matching gear to you and you feel fantastic. 
and then actually you arrive and you're you've been puked on three times today you got no sleep your you know your your pelvic floor is somewhere <laughs> you've you've left that on the hospital floor like there's there's a balance between setting people up to feel like failures because of the gloss that sometimes social media can present and then also scaring people off it yeah only hear about the bad stuff totally and you're so right so like I know I was chatting to you before this and I was saying that like pre-pandemic I was actually due to move to New York so I wasn't really thinking about having kids right in this year now I always wanted loads of kids and I was kind of 27 28 at the time so it wasn't something that was right immediate but like definitely wanted them at some stage and then obviously throw yourself into pandemic you're going to be home for a year year and a half I said you know for us it just felt like the right time to maybe start thinking about a family or whatnot and you're so right you know it's that fine balance. You don't want to scare. Because for me, when I thought about having kids, I was like, oh God, am I able? Am I ready? Like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't know if I'm ready or able. Um, but then on the complete opposite side, you don't want to make people feel like, oh, actually it's going to be totally fine. You're going to jump back into your shape. You're going to jump back into, you know, everything that, and you're just going to, you know, settle to it like a duck to water. Like, I think it's just such a fine balance. And I think the more, I think more we talk about it, the more women talk about it and you talk about the good, the bad and the ugly. Like, I do feel like everyone kind of can take the positives with the negatives at that stage then. But it's fair to say that the apprehension for you and the sort of the feeling of, oh, is now a good time? Like, that's fair because your life was and still is, but very busy. Like you had your passion, you were on a track, you were building Spotlight. And it can be hard to say, oh, now let's have a baby. Yeah, you're so right. And sometimes you're so caught up in the like day to day and the week to week and the travel of it that you're not really thinking about your life in a grand picture. You know what I mean? So yes, I always wanted loads of kids, but like hadn't really thought and sat down of when exactly I was going to have loads of kids. And I was telling you before the podcast, like pre-COVID, like we were traveling an insane amount. Like looking back, I can barely make it to the shops, never mind what I was doing. Like, So we would be over and back to the States every second week. We, I remember once traveling, and this sounds mad, but I remember, and this is like, I didn't even bat an eyelid at this stage. I had traveled from Dublin to New York for a meeting in New York, then traveled to Chicago for a meeting in Chicago, flew through, uh, through Poland to Norway where I had a meeting, back through Amsterdam and then home. And that was from Monday to Thursday. And now if you had to tell me I had to do that over three weeks now, I would get anxiety. You know what I mean? But at the time I wasn't, that, like I didn't really... I didn't really notice like it sounds really silly but like I just didn't really think about it too much so that all goes back to that then that when you're kind of so busy and I hate the word busy but when you're kind of busy in the kind of groundwork you don't really think about the big picture of okay what am I actually happy do I like this much traveling you know do I need to do this much traveling uh like what do I really really want for my life you know so do you think both personally and professionally COVID opened new pathways for you? I think that's a really good question. I think that 
yeah, you're right. Like, I think personally and professionally, it changed things, good and bad. You know, up until that point, we were doing a huge amount of traveling. We were, we were launching in the States. We were launching across, you know, 5,000 retailers. We were launching into Ulta. It's the biggest beauty retailer in the States. I was moving to New York and then all of it stopped. Like it just stopped. Now we still launched. So we're still launched in the 5,000 retailers and thank God it's been a, you know, a success. It could have very easily not been. And that's really humbled me. And what I mean by that is like, I'm very aware of like the fragility of that, you know, you know, of, of what could have been, what, what could have been. Um, but I think it's been a positive and negative. COVID really made us like sit down and restructure and actually me personally plan what I want with my life. Like, how do I want to live my life? Do I want to be flying over and back to the States every second week? Do I want to be doing all that insane travel every second week? You know, what do I want? Like, you know, I always really wanted dogs, for example. And like up until that point, there was absolutely no way I could have done that. And now like I have two gorgeous dogs and I have a baby. And like, it's actually like a 180 of where my life was, but like, I'm much more content now and I'm happier and actually I work better because I'm not like on a flight every second day or whatnot. And I think that's the greatest lesson. If we can, if we can bottle that, that there are ways of doing things that bring more contentment. You know, we don't have to do things the, same, the way that we've always done them. And I think motherhood, a bit like COVID, forces us to look at those new ways, different ways, more attainable, more long, like for longevity. Ultimately, you have to take what you can from a situation like COVID. So for me, it really meant like sitting down and thinking about long-term what I really want my life to look like. You know, I do want kids. I do want to have that more balance in my life and less travel and really, and then reorganizing everything around that. So like, how many people have been on a Zoom call? Like prior to this, we would have probably flown to New York or flown for all those calls. And now with thanks to COVID, there's a lot more that can be done remotely. And that goes back to motherhood as well. Like we were saying before the call, like how much more balance we can all have because of that, you know? So how did it feel then when it was confirmed, when it was like, right, well, motherhood, is going to happen and it's going to happen now i know i um i was like shocked you know i was shocked <laughs> because i've been in this situation i suppose where you know close ones and you know f friends and friends of friends and whatnot i think fertility is such a talking point at the moment so no one really knows what their fertility journey is going to be is it going to be fine is it going to be a hiccup is it going to be a real struggle or is it going to you know we just don't know so when I did get pregnant I was I was you know I was relieved but then I was hugely anxious I said oh from the minute I saw the faint blue line I fell in love and then I was like oh my god I could lose it which is a very vulnerable position to be in you know like you're like god all of a sudden you really have something that you could really lose um so I was, uh, you know, it was like a, a whirlwind of emotions. Did you enjoy pregnancy? Did I enjoy pregnancy? I did actually. Mm. I think I really enjoyed the second trimester. First trimester, I was so sick. I was so nauseous 
and so lethargic and just you know it was like you know I was like I was had constantly a, a vomiting book um and then third trimester I was actually quite sick towards the end of it I had developed really bad or really high or uncontrolled hypertension so blood pressure it was through the roof couldn't get control of it really swelled I sent you the picture of my swelling I always like I always um sometimes I get these messages on Instagram and they say oh you know like I'm really struggling my last couple of weeks I'm I feel like I'm really swollen and I always love to send that picture back and I said if you feel like you're swollen look <laughs> um and then obviously at 36 weeks I developed COVID so I got COVID and you know not ideal it was before I suppose the the link or the incidence of stillbirths with COVID come out thankfully and I say that because I think ignorance is bliss in that situation Mm. I think at the time my consultant was saying oh you know um, there's no links everything should be fine you just need to recover I didn't feel unwell I had very little symptoms actually from the COVID but I didn't know anything else so I didn't know any of the stillbirth situation I was only until Grace was maybe six weeks that that had all come out and I remember the evening that coming out and I feeling shook for women who were pregnant because you're so anxious anyway when you are pregnant I felt so much for them because I said that it's nothing they can do if you're if you if you're positive you're positive you can't change that and then all of a sudden you would feel without any fault of your own that guilt and that like nervousness which is totally understandable so I just really felt for that as well so I I always I was really fortunate to not have known there was any link or any questionable link with that I had to have a test when I was about eight months pregnant and because of a close contact situation I wasn't I wasn't ill but I will never forget how anxious I was yeah how did you actually I suppose kind of navigate through being so vulnerable being so heavily pregnant being so close to birth and have this be part of your life so I totally can relate to all of that and I think that when I got COVID it was around Christmas you know the time around Christmas where the cases were like 5,000 6,000 I had seen only my family, but it was everywhere. And so I I can totally relate to the feeling of, God, did I do something that put my baby at risk? And like, how selfish of me. I didn't feel so much like that because I had simply not met anyone Mm. of what I thought. But what I did feel like is shortly after Christmas, the reason... I actually got tested was I had been in a hospital with blood pressure issues mm. so my blood pressure had skyrocketed um, and I had to go to hospital and then I found out I was positive and then I had to stay in hospital because of my blood pressure issues nothing really to do with the COVID, nothing to do with COVID purely my blood pressure issues I felt like oh my god like I was in a room on my own and the nurses were amazing but I felt like then I felt really guilty because then I felt like I put them at risk Mm -hmm. and then I put baby at risk and I was like god I hadn't met anyone you know and I think that's a natural response um and I felt really alone and isolated at that point then because I felt like god you know you know 
I, I can't even talk to anyone. I can't even see anyone. Like the nurses were outside the room and they were kind of talking through the window and, you know, really hard to kind of, you know, and in, and kind of and rightly so consultants were kind of reluctant to come in to see me. And then I was, I wasn't so much worried about the COVID then I was worried about my blood pressure then and not being kind of seen, if that makes sense. Now, I don't think, you know, do I think that they could have done anything that they didn't do? No. Um, but I felt like, God, I put myself in risk with my accessory condition. So my, my blood pressure was an issue and my COVID had made it worse because I mightn't have got the best care, but I did get the best care. It was just all in my head at that stage. Um, but I, I, there was a lot of kind of mixed emotions around having COVID and being so sick in hospital with blood pressure. And then I always think, so it goes back to that night then that, you know, that came out with the stillbirths. And I think, and I just feel for pregnant women now because you know, add on that layer then, mm -hmm. add on the layer of, oh my God, you could have put your baby at risk for through no fault of your own. And I would say that if it was my sister, I would have said, look, you did everything you could, but you know, it was everywhere, you know, um, but you still, you still, as a, as a woman and as a pregnant woman, as a future mom, you feel that you, you, you could have done something differently. This podcast is just one way that every mom can support you. Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. And how did it feel being so close to birth? You know, so at this point, they're telling you, no stress, you know, be as calm as you possibly can you know, be, be as well in yourself as you possibly can as you head towards birth and postpartum. Um, be in your, in your nest, in that nurturing space. But you're not. You're isolated in hospital with COVID, feeling like nobody wants to go near you. Did that impact those last few weeks leading into what should be this huge event? I think it definitely impacted it when you, when I had to isolate. So for the two weeks I had to isolate, you know, it is quite lonely, but then I was able to quickly recover. And I think also, I think your, your, like your mind and like how you're speaking to yourself really matters then, you know, so you have to try and be as relaxed as you can. I think I was in Galway hospital for my blood pressure and it was just, uh, you know, the COVID was a, an aside point to that. And the nurses were really kind to me. And I felt for them because I felt like, God, I, I put them at risk, but they had never made me feel like I put them at risk. Mm -hmm. So in a way, like I was really fortunate and like thankful to them for never making me feel like that. And I remember one nurse had come in to me and she had all the gear on. And she was taking my blood pressure tablets and she, uh, blood pressure um, reading. And she said, you just need to mind yourself now. We're okay. And like to this day, I'm so thankful to her because she was so kind to me. And like, you know, even though I kind of feel, felt like, oh God, like, you know, isolated. She, they had never really made me feel that way, which I was really grateful for. They really are incredible people. When people, and like, I often say this, you know, when 
people are like, oh, midwives are amazing. And I used to say, yeah, midwives are amazing. Nurses are amazing. But now after birth, I'm like, no, midwives aren't amazing. Superheroes. <laughs> they are the most amazing people in the entire world. And I say that genuinely. Like, I remember my birth with Grace. Um, she they were just amazing. Like they were amazing. And I remember coming home from hospital and, you know, Lisa called over cause she was in my bubble at the time. And I said, midwives are amazing. And she goes, Oh yeah, no, they are amazing. I'm like, no, they're amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they were just amazing. I can't keep saying it. How was the birth? So the birth was the birth. <laughs> <laughs> the birth was the birth um the birth was intense so I delivered a week early with Grace so we were probably like 39 plus one and because of my blood pressure I was actually going to be induced on the Tuesday and I went into labor on the Saturday evening and I was kind of feeling kind of pains around a couple of days around it but didn't really take any heed of it and then all of a sudden on Saturday evening, I like sat down to like watch a movie. And I said, God, like it's really uncomfortable to sit down. I just started walking and I, you know, I started bouncing my ball. And and then I, I said, I, I'm surely not in labor, you know, because, you know, as a first time mom, like what does labor feel like? Mm. And, you know, people are saying, oh, well, you get these contractions and they go. But I didn't really know. Like, and I, I started texting Lisa and I said, you know, you know, I, I'm having these pains and they're kind of coming and going. And she was like, hmm, just, you know, keep bouncing. They're probably Brock's nicks. So then all of a sudden they were coming like every four minutes and lasting a minute and then every two or three minutes. And now I know you're meant to go into hospital for when they're lasting one minute and coming every five. But they kind of all of a sudden come. So I rang the hospital, I went ahead and I went in and I went in on my own because obviously it was, you know, COVID. Um, and the midwife in there was uh, amazing. And she said, you're not in labor, you're in pre-labor. I said, what? Like, how could I be in pre-labor? I was in so much pain. <laughs> but it actually happened really quickly after that. So it was like three or four hours later, actually, I had had grace at that stage then. Yeah. So I went really quickly at the end. How did it feel when she was finally here? oh my god it's just amazing it's amazing and it's I keep saying amazing but it's the most surreal experience you'll ever experience in your entire life and I remember I remember it so vividly because I was convinced I was having a boy my sister Lisa who I have spotlight with she has three girls and I just I was just convinced I would have a boy so when I had a girl, I was just shocked, you know, that shock that comes over you. And it's, it's, and when you know then that everything's okay, I hear a little cry. It was the best feeling in the entire world. It's you know, so addictive. Even when you're talking about it now, I'm like, oh my God, you know, we have our two girls. We're so lucky if I was ever to have another, it's just, it's that feeling. It's that feeling I want again. It's just, it's, it's the most surreal experience of your life. Mm -hmm. And through pregnancy, um, I'd never thought about the birth. I hadn't ever really given time to the birth. I'd given time to after the birth, you know, so I'd read a lot about sleeping and feeding and, you know, breastfeeding, 
but I had never really given time to the birth. And in a way, I'm kind of grateful for that because it was just such a surreal experience. You know, the whole lot of it. Mm. Um, and maybe that's why I have such a fondness for midwives now because they really guided you through that. And it's like such a, you know, it's a life-changing moment that anyone there, you feel like you have a connection with that like, you know, it's unmatchable. I don't know because this is my first experience uh, having a baby. But the, the compassion and the empathy that was shown to me, mm. it's it was, you know, it really makes me think of like human behavior and like how kind and appreciative I was of them, but like how caring and considerate they were of me. Mm. You know, and anyone who was to have a baby, and sometimes, you know, I'll talk to my friends who are due to have a baby, and they'll be really worried because their husbands or partners cannot come in with them. And in one way, I say, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think it's an absolute disgrace that, for example, GEA can go on mm. and yet men still can't come to while a woman is in labor, you know, and that's no disrespect to a GEA or I should say sports in general, right? Um, but in another way, you are going to be so well-minded by the midwives in there, mm. particularly when you are in labor. You know, when you're in that, like in the throes of labor, um, like what they do is a vocation. And I, I speak, you know, and I describe them as superheroes because I genuinely think that's what they do. You know, no other profession is it that you make. Well, I feel like anyway, that you're there at such a pivotal moment in someone's life when they're so vulnerable, like you are so vulnerable when you're, you're in, you're in labor and you probably agree to me, like, as in you have, you know, all to bear, <laughs> you're in so much pain, you're, you're nervous, you're anxious. And they're just there in the background, guiding you through and telling you it's going to be okay. And actioning when they need to action. And I think that's why they have such, I think it's why it's so important that women feel like they're getting the maternity care that they need and they deserve. It's because of that moment of vulnerability. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm so happy to hear that your, positive, your experience has been so positive. Mine has been so positive. Um, and of course, that isn't the case for all. It's about nurturing that emotional, not just the physical and medical, because she's in a very emotionally vulnerable place as well. A hundred percent. And I think it's the emotional place yeah. that I'm most concerned about. You're so, it's, you, you are the most vulnerable that you will ever be mm. because you are in pain. You're giving birth to someone or to something you love the most in the entire world already before you've even met them. And you know, things can go wrong. So that's always in your head. Mm. And then add on COVID on top, add on your partner not being there with your labor. And it's just, it's a cocktail of, you know, vulnerability essentially. But it's the actual like caring for yourself so that you could potentially do it again in time or that you're not left with a really negative um, feeling or feeling that you were not minded when you are your most vulnerable. And how did you mind yourself postpartum? 
generally and in my personal life to so to speak i'm actually and people are always kind of like a little surprised by this i'm actually quite a laid-back person you know and i'm able to go with the flow and i'm really able to relax so for the first couple of weeks after having grace i really did relax now i spoke to you and just from the circumstances that i was in i had to kind of go back to work kind of after about two or three weeks now when i say work i used to have a call on but i'd still be doing whatever i would have been doing normally so i tried to really calmly transition back and what i mean by that is just to listen in and just to give my two cents when needed but other than that I, I was pretty relaxed and I think that I am lucky in that you know my sister Lisa has had three children before me in a relatively short space of time that she was really able to give me real advice mm. she said you know you are going to recover and it's going to take a year to recover mm. it's not going to take a month and you're not going to jump back into everything you were doing and, you know, go for your big runs and fit back into your jeans. Not that I care, but it's going to take a while for everything to recover and to accept that. And I think I, I really try to lean into that, you know, like and to continually talk to myself about that, because I think sometimes I think actually the pandemic has been I've been really grateful for that because it, it forced me to stop. Where could I go? Like, mm. who could I meet? What could I do? Mm. You know, I had to literally sit at home and sure, I, I, it really served me well then. Um, so I would be actually interested to see what it would be like now as we kind of hopefully come out of a pandemic and in years to come when I do have maybe, if I'm fortunate or lucky enough to have another baby, what it would be like when, when life is going on outside the house. Um, how do you actually transition back into life i so i i've had both sides of the coin right now and as much as covid obviously has stolen moments and experiences from us i have to say i cared for myself better second time round because as you said i was forced not to be put under pressure to race out the door you know, to, to be up, showered, dressed, baby fed, baby changed, baby rechanged, because of course it's going to be a punami just as you're about to leave the house. The bags packed, the buggy in the boot, spending three hours preparing for something that you might spend half an hour at, only to come back home again absolutely exhausted. And look, of course I've been I've had days where I'm I'm so lonely. And I've had days where you just feel like this is, this is endless negativity in the world and surely something has to happen that's good. But at a maternity care postpartum level, I think that my body benefited greatly from these last few months. I would, I would agree with you. I think that the slowing down and the inability to actually leave your home forces people to rest you know i have never actually been in a situation really no I, I bring grace out now on a saturday we might go to the market or whatnot but really we haven't traveled at all you know we haven't been in the car longer than an hour we haven't been you know on an airplane we haven't been anywhere so 
you know, it's forced me to actually take the time. And, and sometimes I look back and I'm like, God, how did women actually leave the house with a four week old? Because I've never, we've never had to do that. Well, I've never had to do that. So in a way, it's just about, again, taking those like silver linings from that, you know, the situation we're in and, and lockdown and whatnot and trying to recover as best you can from it. And it gave you space to put your time into your two passions, obviously learning this new role as Grace's mum and being present there for her, but also allowed you to still, while being present with her, focus on your other baby, which was Spotlight. If you were in a world which demanded you to be on a flight to New York when she's two weeks old, you might have felt like you were missing out more. Totally. And I just wouldn't have done it, you know, and I, nor would I have expected, you know, anyone in that situation to do it. And I think that, you know, now there is more of a, like, uh, highlight on women taking maternity. And, you know, even though I came back to work relatively quick, and when I say come back to work, I want to preface that by saying I was open to calls if needed. Mm-hmm. You know, not back to the office, back to work, because I think that puts an pressure, it puts an impression on women and a pressure on women to do the impossible, because I don't think it's possible to go back to the office after a couple of weeks of having a baby personally. But I think it allowed me to kind of transition or to be fluid in my maternity and then my work, you know, uh, which I'm always really grateful for. Because that's something that I definitely struggled with on my first, that feeling of you're in or you're out. I wanted a blend, you know, uh, and obviously I wanted time to recover you know, postnatally, but I like this podcast. I want to do something that is for me and, and my, you know, work self while also being mother me. I'm not good with this feeling of like, you are 100% one or you were 100% the other. I like the knitting of the two in a way that supports my availability in this day and age a woman is blended you know you're not a mother or a single woman or a working woman or uh you know out in the town woman you're you're a bit of everything you know what I mean like you aren't just one thing and nor should you and it's something I'm really passionate about as well I don't think you should have to go to work or be a mother you should be able to do both it should be able to be intertwined in your life you know um and and it was really important for me to like go back to work approaching that way because I think I often think of like work and motherhood it's like a tug of war Mm. sometimes it might be a little bit more of motherhood sometimes it might be a little bit more of work and it's just trying to always consistently find that right balance between the both is this another area that you looked to Lisa for guidance on you know seeing how she had navigated her passion for building spotlight throughout having had those three and now soon to be fourth birth yeah I think Lisa is incredible like and you know, I can say that as her sister, and I probably don't say it to her directly, but I think she's incredible. Like, I think she's had three kids grow, like, been such a force within Spotlight and, like, managed it all. 
Um, and she's very practical and she never takes herself too seriously. And she does what she does when she can, when she can, and then she leaves it. And, you know, she's very good for not guilting herself into like, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. She says, I'm only one person and I'm, I, I can give everything and I've given everything and what else do you want me to do? And I think that's a really good approach. You know, um, there's times I often say this in, in spotlight. There are times when you can give a hundred percent to work and there's days where you can give 80% to work and there's days you can give 20% to work. And so long as you're giving something, isn't that great? So you might get up in the morning and you might be like up at six, workout, showered, makeup, sitting at the desk at half seven and there's other days now that's never me by the way just <laughs> and then there's other days where you're like rolling out of bed at nine o'clock and you don't feel great and you feel really anxious and you feel vulnerable and you don't feel like you've given everything you've kind of like done 20 percent like you're 20 percent that day but so long as you're showing up every day and giving something I think ultimately you'll get there do you, does that make sense mm. that you're not always going to have that perfect day where everything perfectly works out but in saying that are you incredibly proud of what you've just built in those five years um i'm i'm incredibly proud of like the journey we've been on and where we're going i think spotlight's great i think we've done an amazing job so far i think we've grown a really strong team culturally community wise um engagement wise i think within spotlight we've like a team of 60 now we have offices in galway and london and new york um we've expanded to those regions are we done absolutely not there's so much more to go but i'm really proud of where we've come from and where we're going to and how we've done it as well you know the culture we've created within the company, the passion that we have within the company and where we see ourselves going as well. You mentioned something to me about how motherhood has taught you empathy and how you now bring that with you into your work self. Tell me how has that affected you, the businesswoman? This is something I mentioned and it's, it's something that I can't help but think about now, right? So if you think of people in life, you know, you have people and days you're getting on great and everyone's pulling in the same direction. Everything's going really well and you've just launched somewhere and everything's going fantastically. And then there are other days where someone probably, I don't know, hasn't done a great job or there's been a conflict or there's been a miscommunication. And I think before Spotlight, or before having Grace, I should say, sorry, not Spotlight, I would have been like, oh, that's really annoying. You know, like, I don't see where that person is going and, you know, we're off. Now, and this has been like a thinking of mine, when any time I see a conflict with someone or a conflict between two people or whatnot, not that there's that many of it, mm. I always think back and think, oh my God, there's someone's grace. There's someone's grace. And like, it makes me really, it actually, first of all, totally disarms me because I can't give out to someone's grace. And not that I'd ever give out to anyone anyway, but you know, you can't have a conflict with someone's grace. And I think that when grace will be 20 and 30 years time, she'll be a 20 or 30 year old. 
like I want her to have empathy in the world like and I want her to be treated with that like so it's made me think of everyone as someone's grace and like I adore great you know she's my world so I want people to treat grace knowing that she's someone's world and then that makes me think of other people with the same kind of mentality I'm obsessed with feminine leadership and I'm obsessed with looking at like look at the feminine leaders around the world and how they have developed their societies and cultures and values and beliefs and how they're raising you know nations to just be kinder to one another and I think it comes back to that because they look at that as someone's grace they're making decisions based on kindness and empathy and care ultimately it's a kinder way to think of people. I think it just cracks our hearts open. You know, like I can't even watch, I can't watch anything that's happening in a movie that, you know, where people are being harmed. I can't, you know, I can't watch a, a John Lewis out crying. I can't, you know, there are certain things that I just feel so porous to because my heart has just been cracked open. And when you witness the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think you just feel it so much more because you imagine, well, how, how might this impact my child? And I think that's something that is in all of us. It's a protective streak. It's, you know, we feel things stronger so that we can protect them from it. Um, but it's just part of another way that we totally transform as women. And it's, it's such an all-encompassing feeling, you know, it's like you would do anything for your child. You would do anything and you love them more than anything. Mm. And it's a frightening feeling. It's so vulnerable because you're just thinking, oh my God, you are my world. Like you are everything to me. There can be a glass of motherhood and there, there can be kind of an overall, so much realism about it. Mm. Um, but you would be lost without them for, for, for all that we've, you know, you look back in your, 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 your early twenties or your, you know, late teens and your nights out and your freedom, you would be lost without them. You know? And I hear somebody looking for you. <laughs> so I'm going to let you get back to her. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And I'm so, I'm really grateful that you've managed to carve out some time because I know you've lots of, you've lots of demand right now uh, for your time. And I've loved this conversation. I think your attitude to supporting women in business, your attitude to, to supporting a culture within your company that's about developing people and the lives that they want to live um, as opposed to just a workforce. And your, your ability to kind of, to, to have gone through this year and the many challenges that you've met with an appropriately named Grace, because that's how I think that you have navigated this year. Um, there have been points that honestly, I think would have tipped me over the edge, considering the amount of, you know, enterprise barriers that you were up against and then the personal, you know, the, the illness, the sicknesses, then the COVID, and then just the anxieties around motherhood. Um, your attitude has been fantastic. And I just wish I could take a little bit of that on board sometimes when the overwhelm hits. 
Thank you so much for having me, Sinead. I've enjoyed it so much. I think that, you know, the era we're in now with, with COVID and the pandemic, it's so easy to be flippant of what we've all gone through, both raising kids, having kids, being pregnant in this in this kind of era and the pandemic and everything it's taught us. But I think together what you've done and what you've managed to do maybe without you even realizing it, is creating a community where community has been stripped back, right? So pandemic hit, any pregnant women or any mothers have been isolated. And we spoke about it earlier, how women have taken the brunt of minding during this pandemic. And what you've managed to do is create a community online and through podcasts where people feel connected and supported um, in a virtually unsupportable time. Because I'm in it. And I need that support just as much as the support that this podcast gives out to other people. So um, I've said it, I've said it a lot <laughs> on my own Instagram. I'm very, very fortunate to have, have this in my life right now, but to, to get, to be inspired by these conversations because I take I learn something from every single one of them and it impacts how I have coped this year or how I approach this year and certainly how I have grown and, and reprioritize my values for the years ahead thank you for sharing your time with me for your wisdom um, and I will let you get back to baby grace thank you so much for joining us Thank you so much for listening and to Waterwipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Waterwipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipe. And the winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoy this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with every mum and this week's guest at Vanessa Craven on Instagram. Talk to you again next week.